Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 138. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Star Trek Enterprises' third season episodes, Doctor's Orders, Hatchery, and Azadi Prime. Here we go. Doctor's Orders, Season 3, Episode 16, Production Number 316. Original air date, February 18th, 2004. Directed by Roxanne Dawson. Written by Chris Black. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. While traveling through the Delphic Expanse, Enterprise encounters a trans-dimensional disturbance that lies directly within its navigational course. The crew also learns that the, that the disturbance causes permanent neurological damage to humans. To avert the damage, Dr. Phlox, who is immune to the effects, will put the crew in a coma. During that time, all responsibility for the well-being of the ship and the crew will lie with him. And despite Commander Tucker's misgivings, Archer approves it. You've never been to Denobula, have you? No. The cities are quite crowded, by choice, not by necessity. The atmosphere is vibrant, communal. It sounds fascinating. What I'm saying is that we're a sociable people. Being alone on Enterprise, just the two of us, has proven more stressful than I imagined. Adam, in our pre-show conversation, you said you particularly liked Doctor's Orders, so why don't you kick us off on Doctor's Orders? Um, well, yeah, of the three that we're going to talk about today, this is probably my favorite of the three. Um, um, of course, it's the Doctor. I think we all have a kind of a little bit of a, an affection for this character, yeah, his acting and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of fun. I wouldn't exactly call it a perfect episode, but um, I kind of enjoyed it. The Empty Ship, um, I actually got, I, I, like I said, I've only seen the vast majority of these episodes just once. So I did get fooled on this, so it's kind of nice to be surprised. I knew that, um, I wasn't fooled the first time. I knew DePaul, I remembered it well enough that DePaul was on the ship with him awake. Um but I was fooled at the end, so I felt kind of silly. But it was the same so time. Was, kind of... was Porthos. I really thought Porthos was asleep the whole time. And then it's just. <laughs> <laughs> you got to wonder, like, what what kind of effects Porthos was having. Was he seeing things? They should have gone to a scene where he was, like, um, <laughs> yeah, delusional, delusional as well. Be like Archer as a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> talking about cheese or something uh, i'm sorry so continue um so you got um, yeah so it was kind of interesting to kind of see you know so far you know I, for the most part we see you know dr flox is kind of presented as um as kind of a character that has few flaws you know he's a pretty you know strong character um with morality and um good good character where you don't get to see quite his um you don't get to see him be weak. And in this, in this episode, we kind of got to see it, you know, go through kind of being sick where all the other characters have had, a, had an episode where they've been crazy at one point or another. This is kind of, I feel like this is kind of the first time we got to see Phlox kind of lose it a little bit. And so it was kind of fun to see. And it's kind of relatable. You know, imagine being on a starship in the middle of space all by yourself. I'm sure it makes all kinds of weird noises and I'm sure it would kind of get creepy. I liked how, you know, it does seem like, at, at, at first blush, it seems rather quick um, uh, that he goes down this road. But he does have that, they have, has that, they have that scene in the galley where he talks about, and, you, and they've kind of talked about this before, and certainly we've seen it from the multiple wives and stuff, but where he talks about how, you know, Denobulans uh, are a social uh, people. But here he talks even more, he talks about 
like the cities are crowded by choice, you know. Um, it's an interesting um, observation on the species and, and something that makes the species, you know, kind of different. Um, but it also, you know, is appropriate here because it, it does show us uh, why he would be so uncomfortable, you know. I, I kind of started wondering, was his imagination of T'Pol entirely because of this anomaly also messing with his brain? Or maybe there was a little bit of it that was almost like a self-preservation mechanism, <laughs> you know, mm. like he needed to imagine her to help him get through this or something, you know? Mm. Well, from, from a writing standpoint, who else could it be, though? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that, that part was great. It's always nice to see those two, you know, the two aliens talking about their differences to the humans and yeah steve uh how did you feel about this one yeah i i um i mean obviously with my two favorite characters being the focus of it um it's it's good and uh yeah i i too think it's fascinating the notion of um you know a, a species as a whole being you know so so social and and so needing to be around people i'm i myself am introverted and so it's it's kind of mind-boggling but I, I like the you know so often star trek through its characters they show aspects of humanity and and here you have you know flocks the uh obviously uh extremely social needs people and then to paul who would just as soon be alone to do her thing most of the time even though it's not really to paul you know it's it's that kind of uh not clash but um, dialogue between them, I think. I think is what's most interesting about it. Hmm. Um, I can't believe that he um that that Flox nearly killed Porthos because, yeah. You know, can you try to imagine if that happens? Does 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 Archer just, you know, does he just lose all hope? Does he just say? <laughs> Why save home. Earth? Why We're save billions of people on Earth? Well, well with know. the with the way he's been lately, he'd probably put him out the airlock for sure, and they wouldn't have a doctor, and then they were in real trouble. Yep. Yeah. Um, scary. Well, luckily, in the next episode, he could have just gotten a little bug to replace Porthos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have filled the void. Yes. <laughs> One of his Aww. children. Porthos is not so. You could not be replaced with a little bug. <laughs> um, um, I, I kind of enjoyed some of the mundane stuff. I mean, yeah, they had him walking around naked in the ship, feeding them plants and animals. So, you know, kind of a little like it felt like an Austin Powers joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe <laughs> just a little bit out of place the way it was done, but no, it was fine. It was fine. It is, it is funny to, to imagine him walking around the ship naked just because everyone's asleep. Uh-huh. My God, those toenails, man! I mean, what shoes can you wear with those things? I don't know though. It, um, that is true. Um, but you can tell it must be a lot of work to put those toenails on him, makeup-wise, because that's like the only time. It's so rare for them to do that. Right. And the very next scene, he's in the he's in the corridor and he's wearing shoes. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, we joke about him being naked, but I I almost felt like you see his face and you imagine his body would look much more different than a human with a couple of things painted on him. <laughs> um, so personally, I would have. I don't think. I think it probably took away more than it gave brought us. But you know, it's fine. It's fine. Well, we Maybe. saw him without a shirt once when, when he was yeah, in that's the, true. the that's thing true. with um, T'Pol. They were yeah, in that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um, 
I, I guess, you know, to an extent, again, this episode, they could have done it in another season. It, it helps here because, you know, why go to the trouble to to uh, put everybody to sleep so that you can save time getting to your destination? Uh, unless, you know, your destination is where they're building a weapon that's going to destroy planet Earth. So that does make sense, but there isn't much in, in way of the... Um, of the Zindi arc here. Um, but that's fine. Um, I actually, I kind of like that there, there actually isn't any, like a bad, you know, there's no villain in this episode. Um, it really is just flocks, you know, um, on, it, it's a very, very bottle kind of episode, you know, it's not on a single guest star, which is rare really to not have any guest stars. You know what? That makes it hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hmm, what a wonder i wonder yeah it makes it makes six degrees questions really difficult mm. to pose. um but, <laughs> but um i just i guess i guess the thing is that just at the end of it um i don't know that this episode brings too much to the show it's a little bit forgettable but it's you know it's good um it's it's uh it's you know it's a well-made episode it's just uh there just isn't much to it, and it, I don't know how much it really brings. There's that, like I said, there's that one scene between Flox and T'Pol in the galley, where he's talking about Denobulans, and she's talking about not just Vulcans, but but her in particular too. Um, that scene's kind of interesting. It's more like shedding light on 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 things that we already really knew, but. Um, well, we get to find um, out how how they socialize is nightclub life, you know, going to the nightclub and hooking up. Well, hmm. what were you gonna say? Um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, just the letter. You know, he went back and was writing the letter to his friend. Oh, well, um, it just completely slipped out of my head what I was gonna say. Maybe it'll come back to me. Um, go ahead. Yeah, but even that, like. You know, we've we've seen that done plenty before. Even this episode, it feels similar to some other stuff that we've seen, even on this show. Um, so I don't know. It, it's not. Fortunately, it's it's well made, and and Billingsley is always so good, no matter what you've got him doing. We've never seen Flocks doing stuff like you know, powering up the warp core, <laughs> but he makes it exciting because he's a great actor. So, you know, not the most memorable or fantastic episode, but a solid episode. Oh, I did like so he mentions the Exorcist. I think they should have mentioned um the shining instead of the Exorcist since there's that um shower okay. scene with Hoshi, which is coming out all melted, and I think that would have been a better reference for the scene that he had with Hoshi in the shower. It's funny how they only ever watch movies that were made, say, prior to two thousand four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it seems like they only watch movies from like the fifties. You know, that I think the Exorcist was the first reference of a movie like past 1960 in our lifetimes or whatever yeah yeah uh okay what's this what's this episode about guys um facing facing one's own um weaknesses or delusions or fear you can put that out again you're talking about porthos yes of course i am (laughs) how traumatized he was after getting shot at well, I think I, I, think, I still say go, I still say to Paula. By the way, is the funniest person on the ship when she's like, <laughs> yeah. "Doctor, Doctor, I can't find the plasma relays." <laughs> it's, yeah. it's pretty funny. I'm sorry, you gonna say, Steve? Just no, this wide-eyed look. Well, I think this is 
another example of a little bit of lack of focus because you know on the surface you've got yeah you've got the uh what he's going through and so it, it seems as you're 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 facing this notion of your fears because you're alone and so on but you know they could have i don't know i don't know what they could have done but make it more more depth to that because you, you we learn about it a lot but i don't i didn't feel a lot you know i mean i i hear the dialogue of how social he is and extrovert he is and to paul and the other side and you know solitude and i think that's really fascinating um i don't know how you would have explored that further given what he's going through on there but it's it, it's kind of it's it's more just like a fun novelty than it is really I kind of maybe they could have should have gotten to that um that um that dilemma he was having a lot sooner because I did spend a lot of a time I think maybe probably kind of drug on him kind of you know is he hearing things chasing things you know they spent a lot of time doing that maybe they could have spent more time delving into his psyche and his own personal dilemma yeah, with I would this. Have, I would have liked to have uh, experienced um, more um, analysis with uh, Porthos' psyche as well. I say that. Um, he's the real hero of this episode. Okay, I think we've covered what it's about. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just uh, yeah, I, I I agree. Maybe it just needed something more. It was just it was just um, it was a lot of kind of vanilla stuff executed so well that it's that it's enjoyable to watch. But you know, maybe if there had been a little bit more focus on on doing something else with it. I mean, you don't have to do this. It's just, it's good. All right, let's move on. Let's do six degrees for doctor's orders. Uh, so yeah, this episode had no guest stars, making our six degrees questions rather difficult to write. So eh, it's a stretch. Adam, you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. This episode really reminds me of the Voyager episode in which seven of nine is the only one of Voyager's crew to remain awake while the, Others are placed in suspended animation, minus the Doctor, of course, and she takes control of the ship. Name the episode with the one-word title that actually is featured in this question. <laughs> What's the question again? Because um, I have no, yeah, I have no idea. Do you remember the episode? Yeah, vaguely, vaguely, I remember it. But no, I don't remember. Um, I don't know. Solitary? I don't know. I have no idea. Steve, you got a guess? Is it one? You are correct. It was one. Would you have gotten that had I not said the hint that I purposely oh. used the word a couple times in my, in my question? Well, I had it narrowed down to two or three ah. that, uh, yeah. Very good. All right, Steve. Uh, this is the only episode of Enterprise where the doctor does the McCoy thing. Complete Phlox's line from this episode. I'm a physician, not an mm. engineer. You're a correct engineer. Steve has two. Moving on. Hatchery, Season 3, Episode 17, Production Number 317. Original air date, February 25th, 2004. Directed by Michael Grossman. Story by Andre Bormanis and Michael Sussman. Teleplay by Andre Bormanis. Music composed by Paul Belergin. Guest cast includes Stephen Culp as Major Hayes, Daniel Day Kim as Corporal Chang, Sean McGowan as Corporal Hawkins, and Paul Eliopoulos as Crewman. <laughs> Enterprise discovers a crashed insectoid vessel. 
on a barren planet. Captain Archer leads an away team to explore the wreckage and discovers an insectoid hatchery with several dozen surviving eggs, but with a failing biosupport system. Archer is suddenly sprayed in the face by one of the eggs, but Dr. Phlox concludes it was a defense mechanism, and so no worries. The away team returns to Enterprise with two dead insectoids and one of their shuttle shuttlecrafts for analysis. T'Pol just needed a slap on the wrist. She's questioned your orders lots of times, but you've never locked her up before. You have to admit, it's a little out of the ordinary. These aren't ordinary circumstances. T'Pol refused the direct order in front of the crew. I can't have senior officers behaving like that. All right, I got to get one thing out of the way first. T'Pol wearing that blue Enterprise uniform with the little cap is the cutest little mutineer I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean that. Steve, why don't you start us on Hatchery? All right, yeah, you know, I'm kind of lukewarm on this one. Um, I think it's one of these, for me, it's one of these that you see all these kind of absurdities that tell me that I'm, if I'm focusing on these absurdities and inconsistencies and questions, it must not be that engaging of an episode. I don't, I don't really understand and why something such different species the spray would work on a on a human i think that's absurd um you know they take their helmets off just so we can get sprayed in the face uh here we go with reed and, <laughs> reed and hayes again going at it which we've already covered this um the uh it, it's creepy weird and not in a good way with him and the bugs i'm not a big bug fan anyway you know i mean i'm just it, there's parts of it that just feel slow too. I mean, so that's kind of that's that's my feel on this episode. Adam, yeah, I didn't really enjoy it that much either, for a lot of the same reasons that um, probably Steve said. Um, it just kind of felt forced there, and then kind of you know by the time he gets kind of crazy, it kind of feels forced. It just kind of seems like okay, everybody, let's stand back and take a second. What are we actually doing here? You know. Um, it's like I said, the it starts off good, hit the premise of like, okay, you know, we want to try, you know, and save these, save these guys, you know, and, and, and then it just kind of goes off, you know, he's sending people to their quarters, the whole scene with DePaul where he sends, confines her kind of feels forced. And, um, I couldn't really decide, is this part of the arc storyline or is this a bottle episode? Um, I guess it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, I just didn't really enjoy it all that much. I guess much. I slightly disagree with you guys on this one then, because I'm not saying this is the greatest episode ever, but for me, you know, if you're going to try and set up some kind of mutiny on a on a Federation vessel, it's I mean, on, on the Enterprise, on any Enterprise, it's going to be a stretch. Um, and I think that this episode kind of pulls it off in a way that I sort of buy. Um, and that, to me, is, you know... When, like, for example, when you finally get to that scene where Phlox and Trip confront Archer right as he's about to leave with the antimatter, um, I thought that was a, a pretty tense scene, actually. I kind of felt that. Now, should Phlox have just relieved him right then? Maybe that that would have made more narrative sense, but um, I'm just saying it didn't, it didn't feel like wild leaps to get to this almost almost mutiny stage 
you know. Yeah, um, I mean, I, let me. Yeah, let me state one thing because I, I got I got negative on it and just start rolling with that. I did enjoy the mutiny. I mean, that's like you said it's so rare to see that. It, I think that it was it was fun. It was engaging. It was entertaining. And it is hard to make that realistic in Star Trek or or give it some reason for it to happen. I I, I just feel that like that's all it's got. But you don't like bugs. Right. Yeah, I did not. I did, I did not that, enjoy. Yeah, that this. that hurt the episode for me. The bugs. No, no. I, I, yeah. No, but yeah, the, it's just yeah. so much other stuff that, that was kind of like, uh, you know, I mean, the, like I said, the mutiny. Oh I man, I mean, this is this is engaging. Oh, you know, going. I mean, that I did like that. You know, it's just so the rest of it. It's almost like two thirds and one third. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Again, let me rephrase. It's not that I didn't enjoy the scenes of the mutiny. I just didn't enjoy the reasoning. I just the the whole bug thing and having them saved, you know, he, I think to me, it, it wasn't subtle enough. He, to me, he had clearly crossed the line to everybody. Um, by this point he was acting ab- totally abnormally. By, well, that's by that had, point. And so people um, that didn't know him that well, you, that like the Makos and, and Hayes and stuff, they haven't been on Enterprise well, that long. You know, and for those ship. guys, they, they've been on the ship for, at least two thirds of a season. I, I, I just didn't. I just no, didn't. I'm, I'm I, just, I just didn't buy it. I'm just saying that unlike everybody else that really knows him, none of whom supported him, even Hoshi, right? Um, unlike all of those people, the Makos, you've got these people that specifically aren't as familiar with him as everyone else, and so I, I kind of buy it that they that they would just follow orders, you know, in that situation. Plus, they're a little bit more militaristic, obviously. Than, uh, than the rest of the crew, anyway. Um, yeah, you know, so again, I'm not, I'm not no, saying it's I, amazing. I, I, or I, just, I just, I just didn't buy it. Even, even the what, um, the lead Mako guy, he was kind of questioning things. That Hayes, get, Hayes, you know, he was questioning things a little bit. It was like I said, it was just to me, it, it just, uh, just missed the mark. I just didn't. Yeah. I don't get me wrong. I like mutiny stories. It just, it's just kind of, they weren't subtle enough. I guess Paul in that, that little cat though. Mm, yes. yes. Yeah. I like uh, I like that cap, the little ball cap there. Um, this is twice we've seen her in a blue uniform. I think it's the cap though that takes it over the top. <laughs> um, let's see. So I didn't care for the, at the end. Whenever um, Trip goes to talk to the recovering Archer. You know, and and Archer's like, you know, you did what you had to do, but the the tone of that scene is is a little bit weird to me. Yeah, like, still seems kind of mad. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't Archer be like, thank you, thank yeah, you, yeah. you saved the ship, you saved the mission. You know, it's kind of interesting. It makes you think. Well, those little bugs, <laughs> um, they they weren't taken over as mine. They were just making him really want to protect them. You know, so there was some, there was some of this logic almost that that some of the some of these things are, that are still with him. I guess is what I'm saying, and that that's kind of weird. It, so that that last scene just has an odd tone to it. Um, um, gosh, it seems early to get into what it's about. Um, okay, but I don't know what else to say. So let's, what's it about? Parental instincts. Parental instincts. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I would, I would guess for me, it's, it's about the, um, 
kind of like what you alluded to with it, only only the Makos on the ship could be in that role of playing his his uh, his side of it when he's nuts because they don't know him as well. This idea, so it's it's this idea of like uh, you know the the, the people that are closest but, to you. But hang people, on, yes, hang on. Is he, you say he's nuts, but that's what what that would have been uninteresting to me. You know, it's more like he's just he's obsessed. Remember the original series episode, one of my favorite. That's not in the you know list of greatest episodes they ever made, but obsession. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that I think that's what it's well. And we, there was an, uh, there was a DS Nine episode where um, Cisco was obsessed. Um, but but that's true. I'm just saying it, it's a different. It's 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 more than a subtle distinction because if he was if he just went kind of nuts, then that would be um, that would make make it harder to buy the mutiny. It would make it harder to buy him sending people to. You know, I mean, it would make it make it make it more clear. Okay, well, he's just crazy, and you can just dismiss that. Um, but when he sends, um, um, you know, uh, to Paul to her quarters, it's it's because he genuinely thinks that she's standing in the way of him protecting these little bugs. Mm-hmm. He's obsessed with that, so it's not so much nuts. I just wanted to right, and I, I meant that in a very broad sense. I shouldn't have used that language, but. Um... But yeah, I think because of that, it's kind of about it's kind of this notion of sometimes uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit like sometimes your friends know you better than you know yourself. The people closest to you know you better and protect, you know, protect your best interests. I mean, it's a fine line, you know. But um, the the mutiny was I, I don't think he, for a moment any of his senior staff that engaged in this had something personally against Archer. They're concerned something's wrong with him. You know, they want the it's for the mission, but they don't stop caring about him. I mean, that's kind of what I felt about him. Adam? Yeah, sounds good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I had a little bit of a hard time coming up with this about him. I mean, you know, the parental instincts, you know, trusting people who know you best. I I don't know. Like I said, I just didn't really care for the episode. Something to do with little bugs. Indeed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Little bugs know you best. Um, when you go to sleep tonight, there are probably little bugs, you know, that are going to come crawl onto you. Mm-mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So you can sleep feeling safe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what would Porthos have thought of those little bugs? They should have brought. Porthos was the hero of the previous episode. Why wouldn't you bring him down? Yeah, uh, he'd have been a snack for him. Yeah, they would have eaten Porthos. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Wouldn't, there's they the, there's Archer, the, they're going to eat Archer at some there's point. There's the conflict you want to see. Who, you know, it's who's his, who's his real friend? Who's he really care about? His dog comes down there and starts eating oh. those bugs, and he's wow. influenced, you know. Yeah. yeah. He should have brought some aboard, had him running around the ship. Yeah. <sighs> I want these things off the ship. I don't take care of this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do six degrees for hatchery. Uh, Steve has two, so Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Um, I think I've asked about this episode before, but I'm desperate. There weren't many guest stars in this one. <laughs> uh, this is Daniel Day Kim's final performance as Corporal Chang, the Mako that really doesn't want Paul to be disturbed. Uh, he played Gotana Retz in Voyager's sixth season in the episode Blink of an Eye. In this episode. I'm getting more detailed about that episode because I think last time I asked a more general question. But in the episode Blink of an Eye, which member of Voyager's crew lives on the planet for years? 
Mm, is it the doctor? You are correct. It was the doctor, Adam. He was lost on the planet, right? Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> he was lost. I think he went down there for research. I was making a bad. I was making a bad joke because. You know, the, kid, the guy you're asking about was in Lost. Oh, yeah. Oh, Daniel, I get it. It's funny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> Stephen Culp. Wow, returns. funny like a clown. <laughs> Do I amuse you? Uh, Stephen Culp returns as Major Hayes. He also played Commander Madden, replacing Will Riker in deleted scenes from which Star Trek feature? Yes, I'm so desperate that I'm asking about scenes that were shot and never actually put in the movie. Uh, but given how I worded the question, I think that I've given you a hint. So, <laughs> sorry, you have to, so yeah, he, he played Riker in deleted. No, he did not play Riker. No, okay, that's why I'm... he played Commander Madden, replacing Will Riker in deleted scenes from which Star Trek feature? Um, which Star Trek feature did Will Riker? Leave the Enterprise. Oh, that would have been um, goodness. That was the last one they did. Um, ah, God bless. I'm just drawing a blank. I can only think of insurrection. I can't think past insurrection. It's terrible. Tom terrible, Adam. Breath? No. All right. All right, Steve. Nemesis. Nemesis. Correct. There's Nemesis. Uh, Steve has four. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Moving on. Azadi Prime, Season 3, Episode 18, Production Number 318. Original air date, March 3rd, 2004. Directed by Alan Croker. Story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Manny Cotto. Teleplay by Manny Cotto. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Matt Winston as Temporal Agent Daniels, Randy Oglesby as Dacra, Scott McDonald as Commander Dolum, Tucker Smallwood as Zindi Primate Counselor, Rick Worthy as Janar, and Christopher Goodman as Thalen. <laughs> Enterprise approaches Azade Prime, where the Zindi are constructing their superweapon. Archer sends Commander Tucker and Anson Mayweather on board a Zindi shuttle they had just captured to investigate the planet. Working their way past security, they approach the weapon, which is being built underwater. Meanwhile, Archer orders Enterprise to destroy a Zindi deten- detection facility on the planet's moon to prevent it from signaling the ship's pres- presence. The shuttle returns with scans of the weapon, and Archer designates himself to pilot a suicide mission to destroy it. An initiation medal. Have it cornered dated. The results will back me up. You could have gotten it anywhere. Listen to me, you son of a bitch. It wasn't any easier for me to swallow this than it is for you, but you better understand something. If you destroy Earth, you won't just be eliminating my species. You'll be eliminating your own. I tried looking it up, but I could not find out if this is the only episode where Archer talks about turtle soup. Hmm. There may be more. I don't know. No, you spoiled a six degrees question there. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Wow. Um. So turtle soup, everybody. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Azadi Prime. You know, this I enjoyed this more than I remembered enjoying it before but you know it has that feel of like and i checked they it's like six weeks after this episode before they aired the next episode so but maybe this was a sweeps thing or something we've asked this question before but i don't even know if they have sweeps anymore 
But <laughs> listeners, there definitely was a time whenever you know they would build up to an, uh, to a mid-season kind of break or something, and and that the Nielsen ratings would be somehow more important during sweeps. I don't understand why. Maybe there's just more monitoring going on, whatever, I don't know. But then, you know, so they would go all out on these. I always remember Year of Hell on Voyager was a sweeps was a sweeps episode. Um, but, I, you know, at the end of this episode, whenever the Enterprise gets the hell beat out of it, you know, you definitely feel some production value. Uh, you know, you feel like, oh, uh, that's why Doctor's Orders was a bottle show. <laughs> they spent the money here. <laughs> you know? Um, and I do have to admit... I totally remember, like, being um, <laughs> unreasonably excited when all of a sudden Archer goes to the, what, 26th? I forget. Whatever century he gets transported to and see the Enterprise J. Um, that was just such a cool idea and seeing an Enterprise. I don't know. And it still was it made me a little bit giddy. And there is, like, on the back wall, they've actually got, you can see the, I don't know if it's artwork or what, but you see the ship and how how like, how stylistic the design is and <laughs> imp- completely impractical. Um, but that that's what being that's what ships of the future are. They just get more and more, they get less and less practical, I guess. <laughs> um, but I do remember that making me pretty excited at the time. Um, so I, I mean, I'm getting I get the feeling you guys are not. Like Adam, for example, you said you like Doctor's Orders the best of of these three, so I'm assuming um, you don't love this episode. But um, I actually think this is a pretty solid episode. I, I like the writing. I like this the plotting. I like the plotting in this episode. Like a lot seems to happen, but it still left me with with questions. It, it's it's jumping all over the place, but it never feels clunky. <laughs> Batman, Super Superman, <laughs> you know. So. I I, I kind of like this episode. I like this episode. I, I have two, I have I have two major problems with this episode. Okay. First off is the you know where they they destroy the turtle the, soup. The turtle soup, <laughs> which um makes me cringe just thinking about eating. <laughs> but um the de- the detention the, the detection facility on the planet that he destroys. Um, to me they didn't really make it menacing enough. They're like, oh, this facility is showing up. Well, how long before they can communicate with the planet? Oh, like six hours. How many people are down there? Three. Okay, let's just destroy it. They could have just sent a shuttle pod down there and, you know, captured it with their with their Mako soldiers. So I just felt that was a little bit out of character for Archer. I understand why they did it. I just kind of yeah, felt like it, the writing was. Poor. It's a little. I mean, they didn't make so it. They, they can... didn't make it intimate. If it was like an intimate threat, I, I could have bought that. And um, I kind of felt. I understand why DePaul was upset but I thought she didn't come her character didn't come off too well in this episode when she had to take command this uh, is the beginning really of bring, I, I don't remember exactly but I'm, isn't she going to go on some weird she's all messed up for a few episodes kind of mm-hmm, thing or mm-hmm. something so this is the beginning of that it, out of context with those other episodes it does feel like what she wouldn't fail like this but you know when you, you realize that she's I don't even remember what it is is it that same disease getting her again or something I don't recall off the top okay, of my head. Okay, well, well, if that's the case, then I can forgive it. But yeah, I don't. There's something, something going on that we're going to learn more, more about later. Right. But yeah, but just in the, in, I don't know, just um, Archer going, I have to go on the suicide mission, you know, just was a little forced. So, but yeah. You know, well, I, didn't, I didn't hate this episode. It wasn't like, oh my God. I, I, it was my second favorite of the two, of the three that we, 
talked mm. about Hatchery, I didn't care for, but this I didn't dislike this episode. I just kind of had a few little. I had those two major problems with it. And Steve, yeah, do you, I um. Do you like turtle soup? You know, I don't know that I've tried it, but uh, I I do like this episode pretty well. Um, I think it's it's one of these that feels it's like it's got a uh, it's. It you know it's 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 big it's heavy and I remember it being mm-hmm. a pivotal episode and it you know in the and it is it's a pivotal episode in this season and it felt like one of those that uh, you know almost cliffhanger worthy you know there's there are very few I don't recall but very few Enterprise episodes I've seen where I really want to watch the next episode and yeah and, you know, I agree we we had this at the you know this third yeah. of our three and it's like. <laughs> Well, in two weeks, and you know, I'm watching these with my wife, and she she was like that way. She was that way too. I mean, she was like, "Oh, I really want to move on, see the next one," you know. And and so, that's got to that's that's something, you know, because just action for the sake of action doesn't cut it, you know. And I don't think that's what this <laughs> Batman is. <was> super. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. Again, I don't think this is the best thing ever or something. But I think it's a well balanced. No, I I, I totally agree. Like I was at the end of like, damn, I want to watch the next one. It's a, of all things, you know, this one, the one time in Enterprise, I really want to watch the next one, and it's the it's the third of our three, so we got to wait a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, you know, this is this is kind of the Empire Strikes Back, right? This is like the, you know. This is the end. You you put the all your heroes in the absolute worst low. You, you look at the ship. Look at the ship. That sucker is blown mm-hmm. to hell. Um, and if I recall correctly, they don't really get back up on their feet until the fourth season when they return to Earth and get fixed up. But um, you know, this is about this is kind of as low as as bad as things are going to get. You know, um, so this is that second of three acts in that sense. You know. The Empire Strikes Back kind of thing. So yeah, it's 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 gets fairly dark. Um, what I always kind of wonder about is why doesn't Archer? I mean, Archer obviously believes Daniels, um, but why does he feel so strongly about not trying to pursue peace as Daniels suggests? You know, why does he? Why is he? Why does he feel like it's he has no choice but to try and destroy uh, the weapon instead? You know, I, I mean, Daniel says all that's going to happen is they're going to make build another one. It seems like a pretty good point. So why do you think that Archer is so against that? Well, I mean, it's it's it is kind of it does make it. It kind of limits him a little bit in that way. I mean, I'm not saying I think he's he's dumb or something for thinking that. And I say, oh, but I'm not going to do what you're saying. I don't believe you. I don't know that. And I don't really think that he's not completely trusting of him either. I don't think he thinks that Daniel's making up stuff. I, it might just be that kind of um, whatever that is in a, a leader or a captain, or at least in so many of them that we've seen in Star Trek, that they just refuse to accept that someone else is is pulling their strings or something you know that they that no this is what i've decided i think this makes the most sense and since i can't you have some nothing that i can really hang my hat on in terms of proof i'm going to proceed as i was going to proceed or whatever you know i don't know i think maybe in archer's mind um you know previously he's had the luxury of of believing Daniels, but I guess in this situation, I guess he probably feels the stakes are too high. To, he has to destroy the weapon. You know, this has been his sole focus. Must destroy the weapon. Must destroy the weapon. So it makes him a little bit more blinded to 
the other possible realities that um, this, the outcome of this could be. I mean, he eventually gets to that point. Obviously, when he gets captured, the weapon's gone. Um, it's kind of his plan B. They kind of gave him. It's kind of a built-in plan B for him. So I mean, he, he eventually has to do what Daniels is saying because he doesn't have a choice. I, I like that bit when he when he goes and finds the weapon's gone. Actually, and then earlier, whenever um, Trip and Mayweather go and see the weapon, that whole underwater bit that's that looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Actually, it looks very cool. Um, so, and actually, I didn't mention it, but in um, in Hatchery, there was like a really cool shot where a shuttlecraft was kind of coming down to their to the crash Zindi ship, and it was like kind of a red horizon, very pretty, and, and it looks good, you know. And, uh, and obviously, the end of this episode of Azadi Prime here, where they blow the hell out of the ship, it's just there's a lot of good of effects work, you know, CG stuff that, that looks really cool. Um, they're 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 convincing me. <laughs> Um. You, you you were making fun of the the turtle suit, but you know those were good scenes with Archer and the when he was being interrogated by um, what is he a general the lizard general? He was talking about the small brains, you know, the history of dinosaurs. And yeah, I kind of those were good. Like, yeah, I enjoyed pushes buttons and stuff. Is fun. Those were yes. those were enjoyable scenes. Yeah, I, I would never joke about turtle soup. <laughs> <laughs> How do you prepare it, Brian? In shell or out? I did try frog legs not too long ago. Yeah, I've had that. Yeah, tastes like chicken. Right. Yeah. Um, I bet that Zindi reptilian leader tastes like chicken. Actually, I mean, he looks <laughs> tasty. That'd have been a um, kind of greasy for Archer. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you taste like chicken. <laughs> 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 On my world, that's the greatest insult. <laughs> We just I think we're just I think we're all tired and yawning tonight, so we're making stupid jokes. <laughs> so sorry about that. Um what's this episode about? Well, um, like Steven said earlier, I mean it's very important this episode's very important to the um the arc that they're they're pushing in this in this season, you know, and it definitely moves that forward. Um, so it's important in that respect, um, and it kind of cliffhangers, so it's kind of, kind of hard to formulate exactly what it's about, fulfilling a mission, being flexible within that mission, possibly. Yeah, I think, you know, we've so often seen these, um, action-oriented episodes, cliffhanger-type episodes that more often than not, it is hard to articulate exactly what it's about, and I think that's, that's what keeps, uh, you know, good big action episodes from being great episodes sometimes, you know, and, and, uh, here, I mean, I think, I think the, the crux of it is with Archer, you know, I'm not sure it is difficult to articulate, but I think that he, his, his preconception on what needs to happen to fulfill his mission, um, you know, he's, he's, he's of a singular mind on that. And I think this episode is what, what starts to shift that for him. And even though it's not his choice initially, um, he's kind of dropped into it. I mean, it's just how it works out. And now it's not just his preconceptions of the mission. I think it's just, it's his preconceptions of the enemy too. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Sure. And, 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 and as an extension of that, so often the case is what you, who you view as your enemy is much more complex than just exactly. bunch of bad guys, you know, you know, and that's what we're going to, 
probably focusing on the next few episodes uh, as we wrap up this indie arc is, you know, we're going to discover more and more of that humanity of basically all of them except the reptilians. Because, you know, turtle soup. <laughs> all right. So uh, I like this episode. Um, and definitely I, I agree. It's how is that not a compliment to say I wanted desperately to watch the next one when I finished it? You know? Mm-hmm. So. Did you, Brian? Did you watch it? No, because I would never. In two weeks, I'd be like, God, I don't remember this. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have to rewatch it. You know, it's funny. When we started our podcast all those years ago, I did it bi weekly because I thought, you know, we're all busy. This isn't a job. We don't make any money here. Um, this way, we have a whole two weeks to watch episodes. But we all do the same. We all wait. <laughs> right. We all it's take all- a week off because if you watch it, then if I watch it, we wouldn't remember anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, That's I think pathetic. I think I watch them within three days, sometimes four. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'll watch them all in one sitting. I usually do it over two nights, though. What was <laughs> when was the last time you watched an episode like a week out? Um, I really haven't. Although I did, I did recently watch a couple episodes. That were not that were not Enterprise, just watching episodes because I was in the mood to watch them, um, and that was a weird experience to watch Star Trek and not be taking notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I really am excited about the original series though, and want playing those for my son. Um, so I may have to alter my my um, you know playback schedule because I'm not going to be able to um, watch all three of those in one sitting with him. Uh, but our listeners don't care about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's do six degrees for Zadi Prime. Steve has four. Um, Adam, are you going first or second? I'll go second. Steve, Rick Worthy plays Janar, the arboreal Zindi that seems almost as ready to believe Archer as Degra is. He played Noah Lessing in the Voyager two-parter called Equinox that featured another Federation ship stranded in the Delta Quadrant. This was the season cliffhanger and premiere of which seasons of Voyager? Mm. Gosh. Equinox, parts one and two were the end of what season and the beginning of what season? Right, right. I'll give you one hint. Um, The second number is exactly one digit higher than the first number. Oh, (laughs) thanks, thanks. Yeah, uh... Five and six? Wow, you're good. <laughs> All right, Adam, we don't want this to be a shutout. Shutout. Right, here we go. Randy Oglesby plays Degra, the mass murderer with a heart of gold. <laughs> In Enterprise's first season, he played the captain of the Zerillion starship. Another crew member from that ship knocks up a trip. Name that episode. Name the episode. Ooh. Let's see, he gets knocked up. It's in his hand. Uh, you might be surprised at what the name of that episode is. Um, it's not really what you'd be expecting. I really have no idea. <laughs> Sorry. Go for it, Steve. Get six. I think it's happened <laughs> once before. Let's do it twice. Unexpected. Unexpected? Uh, yeah, that was unexpected. All right. So, folks, uh, I have a quick report for you. Um, I didn't see this reported anywhere. 
No, I'm not going to use anybody's names, but it really wouldn't be hard to figure it out if you really wanted to do it, figure out the names. I haven't seen this reporter anywhere, um, which I'm surprised about, but take it with a grain of salt. This may not mean anything, but this is a report on the timeline of the possible timeline for the new Star Trek show. So I was at WonderCon. I went to WonderCon on Friday and Saturday. That's a convention. Um, well, it's, it's done by the same people as Comic-Con. Um, this year it was actually in L.A., but the last couple of years it's been in Anaheim. I think it's going back to Anaheim next year. Anyway, and I went to a panel that had a couple of Star Trek uh, nonfiction book writers. Um, and especially the one guy in particular, I like him a lot. I've gone to his panels. I've read his books. Um, and uh, he and the other guy have done a book kind of celebrating the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. So I went to this panel. They're talking about this book. Or books. And someone got up and asked a question. Uh, do you know, because the one guy in particular, he does work in television, although he doesn't work on Star Trek. Uh, she asked, do you know what timeline the new series is going to be in? And when she asked that question, I thought, well, how would they? Of course, they're not going to know that. That was a waste of a question. Uh, but they both laughed very hard and said, so these books are, for these books, they interviewed a lot of people. And the one guy said, we interviewed Brian Fuller. And in our interview with him, we asked him, what would you do with the Star Trek series story-wise? And Brian said, oh, He's clapped his hands together, and he rubbed them, and he said, here is what I would do. And he laid out for them an entire show. <laughs> and then not long after that, um, CBS announced that they're going to do a new Star Trek show. And then not long after that, they announced Brian Fuller is going to run the show. And then not long after that, the authors in question got a phone call from Brian Fuller, and he asked them, can you please not put that in the book? Everything I said about what I would do with the new show. So maybe that's not what it is. Uh, but if it is, this the one guy said, let me just say you will be happy. So he, he I'll save you the long explanation why. But the, the implication was that it would not be in the JJ verse, that it would be in what we think of as the prime universe, the original series, next-gen, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, that universe, that the new show would be based in that universe and not the JJ-verse. Um, and there were some other things said where, I mean, you could interpret what I just said as meaning they're basing that response off of exactly whatever story plan Brian Fuller laid out. And who knows if that's the story plan that's being used, but that's not entirely it. They also said some other things that made it sound like like they may know. So um, who knows? This may not be true at all. But I was pretty excited after I heard this. I really was. And this was in a room. It was a big room, but it was only maybe one-third full. But still, I bet there were 100 people in the room, probably. Uh, and it did not. This did not get it reported anywhere. Um, so you're probably hearing about it here first. 
Uh, but I don't, you know, I didn't want to get the guy in trouble. But like I said, so I'm not using his name, but you could pretty easily figure out what I'm talking about if you really wanted to. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed that it is, in fact, in the prime timeline. And let me tell you, I'll, I'll not let myself get too excited until we hear officially. But that would just be about the best news I could hear all year. <laughs> And it's not because I dislike the J.J. movies. It's because, you know, the second they ended the first J.J. movie and Vulcan was still destroyed. And I walked out of that theater feeling crushed because I'm a Trekker and I believe in this living universe. And all of a sudden I felt like they were telling me the 700 plus episodes of Star Trek never happened. And that was very hard for me to take. And we've talked about that uh, quite a bit. Um, so this could be validation that. You know, that the movies are an anomaly and, and you know, we're getting back to the meaning of of this, of our prime timeline. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it, it's all it's all made me feel a little bit like, well, now I can handle it. Because someday they're going to have to do that. Even if this new show is in the prime timeline, at some point, you just got too much stuff to keep track of. I can understand that, but I just don't want it to be now. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there was another thing and this, this was more official. I saw this report on a lot of sites, but it was interesting. I saw, I don't remember who it was that said it now, but somebody said, I think it was the guy that runs CBS, uh, said that the reason the show is going to premiere in January instead of closer to the 50th anniversary in September is because their deal with Paramount was they had to give the, the movie Star Trek Beyond six months, a six month window. Because uh, Paramount is, was worried people would confuse one for the other. That sounds silly, but okay. Uh, that's what happens. If they if it was the same company, they'd be like, "No, we're piggybacking on each other's marketing. They're they're releasing yeah. on the same day." <laughs> you know, but two different companies. So. Anyway, uh, so for what that's worth, uh, have some hope about the new Star Trek shows timeline being in the same universe. As um, Archer <laughs> and Zodiac Prime. Well, I, I, wait, wait, what am I saying? Enterprise. They were all in the same universe. Yeah. Enterprise, yeah. Enterprise, Enterprise was the, the one, one clear out of all these. Yeah. Uh, JJ, so <laughs> never mind that. You get me, though. You get yeah, me. yeah, yeah. All right. So, you know what uh, you know, would be cool? It'd be cool to see DePaul in one of um, JJ's films because they could do that, right? Yeah. Totally. Would she be too? Would she that? Would she be too old? I mean, she she could do Possibly that. Absolutely not. Sarek lived to be over two hundred. So yeah, yeah. We probably won't see it, but it would be cool. All right. Uh, so we've only got two more episodes before we finish out. I mean, two more podcasts before we finish out Enterprise's third season. I think I mentioned before we're going to kind of break up the fourth season a little bit. But we'll we'll make those announcements as we go. I mean, there's going to be a couple of times that we're going to do like two episodes instead of three, whatever, so that we don't break up any of those three episode arcs. Uh, but it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to getting this Enterprise stuff for the season. But I'm also looking forward to finishing out the third, all these big action things. So we're going to start that in two weeks. Um, thank you for spending an hour with us. We really appreciate it. You can send us an email. That's trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Follow us on Twitter, at trekcompanion. 
And uh, until next time, please uh, make the world a better place and take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.